Hey family, this is Josh Eggerson. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Faith Restored podcast. Faith Restored is a local church with a global mission to reach the lost and teach the found. And it's our hope that the word you're about to hear today encourages you, inspires you, and builds your faith. If you'd like to learn more about Faith Restored, you can visit us on our website at faithrestored.church. Now let's go live into this week's message. Second Corinthians chapter 4 Second Corinthians chapter 4 Paul talking to the Corinthian church when he says we are afflicted in every way but not crushed perplexed but not despairing persecuted but not forsaken struck down but not destroyed we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken. We are struck down. Somebody say struck down, but not destroyed. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of our God. I want to preach for a little while using as a subject, still I rise. Amen. Still I rise. We are struck down, but not destroyed. Father, thank you for this time. Help us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Still I rise. You may write me down in history. With your bitter twisted lies. You may tread me in the very dirt. But still like dust I rise. These are the immortal words of the prolific poet Dr. Maya Angelou. Who in 1978 put pen to paper to proclaim to the world. That it did not matter what she went through. She would not allow the struggles of this life to keep her from rising above. No matter how difficult life became, no matter how much of a rate, no matter how much a racist and sexist society tried to inhibit her progress, no matter what struggles she had to overcome, this phenomenal woman who at one point was a fry cook, a prostitute, a teenage mother and a nightclub dancer decided that she would never allow the adversity of her life to confine or to define her. But she declared that in spite of it all, she would rise above. You may shoot me with your words. You may cut me with your eyes. You may kill me with your hatefulness, but still, like air, I rise. And even though it has been five years since we collectively shed a tear as the one who told us why the caged bird sings passed from labor to reward, 
I believe that the words of this particular poem, Still I Rise, will live on in our hearts and minds forever. Because the reality is life has a way of forcing us to deal with pressures, problems, and people who seem as if they are on mission to keep us down. We may not like to admit it, but we know it to be true. At times, it seems as if no matter how much progress we make, there is always something, some situation or some circumstance that comes and tries to pull us under the hell and high water of life. But I believe that there is someone in the building who, like Dr. Maya, can say, it does not matter what life throws at me. It does not matter who walks away from me. It does not matter who does not like me or who runs my name through the mud or how much pain I have to deal with. I am connected to a God that will always cause me to rise above. God help me. You missed it. You are connected in spite of your problems, in spite of your pain, in spite of your trial and tribulation. You are connected connected to a God that always causes you to triumph. As a matter of fact, let's be honest, fall has come and kids are back in school and we're almost in the home stretch of this most recent revolution around the sun. But if we would be honest, we would have to admit that 2019 has already been a crazy year. There have been co-workers on your job who have conspired to get you fired. You have already had to fight through the same kind of family drama that you declared at the end of 2018 that you would not carry into the new year you've had to deal with challenges in your money and your finances and issues in your relationships your plans are not working out the way you hope but if you are able to roll out of the bed and make it into church this morning then you need to shout because that is a sign that God is not through with you yet God help me uh, see some of us uh, can't shout over the cars we drive we can't even shout over the money in our bank accounts we shout because we thought we were going to die in our sleep but our eyes came open in the morning and because our eyes came open in the morning that was a sign from the Lord that he has not been that he is not through with us yet and the, the reality is the devil has thrown everything he could at you he's done everything he could to get you to check out on life to make you give up on God to frustrate you into hitting the eject button on your purpose but somehow and some way God has not allowed you beloved to be consumed by the chaos that is around you he has allowed you to make a comeback from the calamity that everyone was betting would take you out as a matter of fact you should be able to look back over your life and see all of the things that God has brought you out of and celebrate because after all the hell you've had to handle you didn't stay down but you bounced back who am I preaching to in the church this morning there's somebody in here that shouts not because you didn't have to go through anything but because when life knocked you down God put something on the inside of you that allowed you to come back and you didn't just come back any kind of way you came back swinging is there anybody here that can say I came back with a fight in me I came back with the praise in me I came back with worship in me devil you knocked me down but I bounced back and not only did you bounce back but you need to learn how to praise God because you don't even look like you've been through as much as you've been through God help me do me a favor now help me preach and touch a neighbor and say neighbor if you only knew what God has delivered me from I know I don't look like everything that I've gone through I know I don't look like everything that I've been through I know that you can't see the scars on the outside from all of the pain and the heartbreak and the heartache and the disappointment but if you only knew what God had to snatch me out of you wouldn't be looking at me like I'm crazy when I'm laying on the floor screaming you would be praising God yeah. 
So then, this is why I love this passage in 2 Corinthians. I've got to move. Uh, uh, this is why I love this passage because Paul the Apostle, that that talented tit maker from Tarsus, uh, much like Dr. Maya Angelou over the course of his life has found himself, beloved, the victim of unfortunate events in his life. Paul has had to deal with challenges and changes in his life that did not make any sense. As a matter of fact, Paul has suffered and struggled so badly while serving the Lord that a group of false teachers in Corinth were questioning his authority as an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, they were uh, not able to argue against the theology that Paul presented in 1 Corinthians. And whenever an enemy can't defeat your argument, beloved, you got to know that they'll always attempt to assassinate your character. So these false teachers and critics in Corinth attempted to use Paul's suffering as a reason that his argument could not be trusted. Simply stating that if Paul was a true apostle, then there was no way that God would allow him to struggle the way that he was struggling. The critics in Corinth said that if God was really with Paul, then he would not have been locked up in jail as many times as he's been locked up. That uh, he wouldn't have been beaten as much as he had been beaten. That he wouldn't have been shipwrecked and snake bitten. But Paul responds to the argument of his critics by explaining to them, hear me now, that the true Christian's life is not a life that is devoid of trouble, but rather it is a life that is exemplified by our ability to go through trouble and survive. Paul presents the argument that if you are really connected to God, it doesn't mean that you won't encounter hard times, but it does mean that when you go through trouble, your trouble will not be able to keep you down forever. You might have days when you feel overwhelmed by your adversity, but if you are connected to God, you will not slip into the depths of despair, but just like Dr. Maya Angelou, you will rise. And somebody in the building needs to shout, not because life has never knocked you down but you need to shout because when life did God gave you the strength to get back up I, I know it sounds familiar I know it feel like I said that already but I want you to get the point of this sermon you got to learn how to shout not because your life has allowed you to float by as the poet said on flowery beds of ease but you got to learn how to shout because when rain fell in your life God didn't let the rain wash away your hope and your dream God didn't let the rain wipe you off the face of the map. Is there anybody here who can say I ain't never lived in New Orleans but I've dealt with Hurricane Katrina in my personal life. Dealt with storms in my money. Storms in my mind. Storms in my marriage. Storms in every area of my life. But somehow or another I was able to get back up again. Paul declares that the reason he knows that God is on his side is not because he has not had to deal with the hellacious nature of life but rather he has faced it and after all he's had to face he's still here and I believe that we live in an age where we can't play the game of prosperity theology that tells us that if we have trouble it's because we lack faith in God we exist in a nation where the songwriter said tragedies beloved are commonplace we we live in a culture where you can go to Walmart to buy school supplies for your children and never come home again a nation where a traffic stop can end with your life being snatched away because you were encountered by an insensitive officer and in a time in which those of us who have been kissed by nature's son are constantly dealing with depressing circumstances 
I believe that the words of Dr. Maya Angelou and the Apostle Paul provide us with cause for celebration because in spite of our circumstance, the message of both the poet and the apostle can be summarized in four words. We are still here. God help me. God's hand is on us and because the hand of the Lord is on us, we are able to live then in two realities. God help me. The first reality is God has kept his people. God help me. Oh God, I wish y'all would help me preach. God has kept his people. No matter how frustrating my life might appear, beloved, if I am a child of God, I have to know that the only reason I made it out of situations that other people did not survive is because I am a product of the keeping power of Almighty God. I am here, hear me now, not because I have been good, but I am here because I've been kept. God help me. You missed your shouting point. I'm, I'm here God help me not because I've been good but I'm here because I've been kept touch your neighbor real quick and tell them don't don't touch them too hard because they might shout if they really feel this thing in their spirit but just nudge them a little bit and tell them I've been kept God help me oh God God tell them tell them he kept me God you you're wondering how I made it why why I'm not broke why why I haven't lost my mind why I haven't given up on life and thrown in the towel the reason why I'm still here is because he kept me even when I didn't want to be kept even when I wanted to walk away even when I made up my mind to be trifling and stupid and crazy and messy God kept me uh, yeah God has kept his people but not only has God kept his people but the second reality I live in is not only has God kept his people but God will keep his people. God help me. Oh God, he kept you. God help me. That's past tense. But he will keep you. God help me. Oh God, and I know uh, I know, I know, uh, even uh, though we know that God has kept us in the past, there was something about our human nature and our sinful existence that tries to make us believe that God is done with us, that, that God has taken us as far as he's going to take us and now for some reason he's left us on our own. But we've got to understand that the character of God will never allow God to abandon his children God is not an absentee father God don't need CPS to track him down or for the court to get him to pay his child support God is a present father and if God has kept you then God will keep you as a matter of fact some of you are in the house today not because God has kept you but because he's keeping you right now Lord help me I feel like preaching is there anybody here who knows that he's keeping you right now that the reason why you are here the reason why you haven't lost it the reason why you were able to drive up on the parking lot of the church and get out even wiping out tears from your eyes and lift your hands in worship when your arms are sore because you've been fighting in the mirror wondering whether or not you're gonna make it the reason why you're here is because he's keeping you right now and not only is he keeping you right now the prophetic word of the Lord over your life is that he has kept you he is keeping you and he will carry you through is there anybody here who needs to know it today that you serve a God that will carry you through he's not gonna leave you by yourself you ain't got to carry yourself through you don't have to figure out a plan about how you're going to make it you don't have to try to figure this thing out logistically and strategically on your own but God will pick you up and God will carry you through uh, so then I'm almost finished now 
So then when we come to the circumference of our text, in verses 8 and 9, Paul then begins to tell us his testimony. Paul says, look, you're accusing me of being an invalid and unauthorized apostle. You're accusing me of doing what a whole bunch of these other preachers do, making themselves apostles when they really have no authentic calling and succession. You're accusing me of being a jackleg, but not because I'm not gifted, not because I don't have results, not because I don't have oil on my life. You're accusing me of not being valid because I've suffered. And so Paul says it is true that I've had to suffer. It's true that I've had to deal with hardships that have made others lose heart. But he declares that he will not lose heart. That he will not shrink back. And he will not be defeated. But rather he will rise and meet the adversity of life head on. Because he understands that he has a God that is unwaveringly committed to seeing him through the storms of life. So then, how beloved? That's the question. How, how do we rise in spite of our adversity? Number one, and I'm in my seat after I give you these four quick things. Number one, the way we rise above our adversity is by understanding that I am hurting, but my hurt won't make me surrender my hope. God help me. Let me say it again because that got good down in the city of my soul. Uh, I am hurting. God help me here. But my hurt won't make me surrender my hope. God help me. I know you think I'm making it up but I brought a witness from the text. Paul says we are afflicted in every way but we are not crushed. We are afflicted in every way but we are not crushed. Paul is saying that even though he has been tested and tried in every way imaginable. He's saying even though he's going through hell in spite of what he's going through the pain of his life has not resulted in the crushing of his spirit. Paul says in other words I've still got hope. God help me and his hope is that in spite of the different things that the devil has thrown at him he still believes that God has a plan for his life and that's somebody's testimony in the building. Your life has been turned upside down by trouble but in spite of it you still show up to church and worship and pray and serve and give because deep down on the inside I've still got hope is there anybody here that can say that's my testimony I've still got hope I'm tired of being single and lonely but I've still got hope I'm tired of my bank account balance being this low and my credit score dropping but I've still got hope I'm tired of looking for the right job and having to work for a person that I don't like and doing something I wish I wasn't doing but I've still got hope and is there anybody here who can say in spite of what I've gone through I still believe God yeah, yeah Paul says uh, I got to quit Paul says uh, I'm hurting but my hurt won't make me surrender my hope we are afflicted in every way but not crushed but not only that Paul says the way I'm able to rise above my adversity is by understanding that I, can, that I face confusion. But my confusion has not driven me crazy. Okay, let me say that again. Uh, I have to understand that yes, I am facing confusion. But my confusion has not driven me crazy. Look at the text. He says... We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. But then he says, perplexed, but not despairing.
Oh, God. Oh, God. Sometimes the text will just preach itself. If you read it, he says, we're perplexed, but not despairing. I'm confused, but I'm not tripping. I don't know what's going on, but for some reason, God has given me peace that surpasses all understanding. I'm, I'm going through hell. And no, I don't understand why God is letting it happen to me like this. I keep trying to give people the benefit of the doubt. And for some reason in relationships, they keep doing me dirty. I don't know why I can't get me from people. God help me. I, I don't know why people won't be as loyal to me as I am to them. I, I don't know why I can't get it. Uh, but for some reason, I should be crazy. But I'm not in despair. Lord have mercy. Uh, is there anybody here who can say I'm perplexed? God help me. I'm Confused. I admit that I have no idea what's going on, but I'm in the arms of the one. Oh, he knows the way that I take. And when he's tried me, I know you don't get it. Let me help you. Uh, I, I got a problem. I, I am a type A personality. I'm a type A plus personality. I don't know. Uh, uh, Somebody got to be, somebody got to lead. God calls people to lead. Maybe it's that, that's the reason. I, I, but for some reason, when I'm driving folk, uh, Brother Henry, I don't like for nobody to ask me where we going when I'm driving. Especially if you don't know the city that we driving in. Because even if I tell you where we going, you still ain't going to know. I think I got a witness. Where we going? But can I tell you why I love my daughter? And God does something wonderful in the lives of your children because he takes the best qualities of both parents and brings them together in the child. My daughter is just like her mother in that she can't help getting in the car and asking where we going. But she's just like her father. Because let me tell you what she did the other day. She got in the car, picked her up from school a little bit early because I wanted to beat the line outside elementary school. So I went to the school, got her, picked her up early, and uh, she got in the car. She said, Daddy, where are we going? And it's almost like she felt me getting ready to snap. She said, never mind, Daddy. I don't know where we're going, but I know you're taking me somewhere. Lord, have mercy. And is there anybody here? Who's ever been in the car with God in your life and you've wanted to know where God is taking you? You have no idea why you this broke. You have no idea. You a good woman. Huh? You a good man. You have no idea why you still single. You have no idea why that business hasn't taken off the ground. You more educated and gifted and anointed than everybody else on your job. And you want to ask God, Lord, where are we going? But if you're in the car, just trust he's taking you somewhere. God help me. Oh, Lord, sooner or later, you're going to end up in the right place. Sooner or later, you're going to end up at his desired destination. This is what he told the children of Israel in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. I know the thoughts, Lord, have mercy, that I think towards you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and an expected end. There is a predetermined destination. Woo. At the end of your pain, as a matter of fact, Paul got a hold to that thing in Romans 8 and 18 and said, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time 
are not worthy to be compared with the glory that's about to be revealed in us. Is there anybody here that can say, I'm not going to allow the bumps in the road to allow me to forget the fact that God is taking me to a destination that's greater than I am right now. So then, so then Paul says, God help me, I feel like it. Paul says, I'm hurting, but my hurt won't make me surrender my hope. He says, I face confusion, but my confusion has not driven me crazy. But then thirdly, Paul says, my life is rough, but I serve a God who is with me in the rough places. Lord, help me. He says, we are afflicted. Is your Bible still open? He says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Persecuted, but not despairing. Or perplexed, but not despairing. Then verse 9 says, persecuted, but not forsaken. God, help me. Oh, God. Paul says, look here. I'm dealing with persecution from every possible angle. Not only uh, do I have to deal with persecution from the Roman government and from Jews outside of the church? But I've also got to be the target of persecution from within the church. God help me. Paul says the world hates him. Church people are talking about him. The devil wants to kill him. But in spite of all of the persecution Paul faces every day, Paul finds peace in the fact that no matter how severe the circumstances of his life might be, God has been with him every step of the way. And this is the difference between the mature and the immature believer. Uh, immature believers uh, can only praise God for what he's pulled you out of. God help me. But mature believers, uh, real praisers, uh, can shout over what God left you in, but he walked with you through. God help me. Oh God, who am I preaching to on a Sunday morning? Is there anybody here who can testify he left me in it but he walked with me God help me and sometimes uh, the pain and the pressure is beneficial for my development I don't need God to take me out I just need him to hold my hand while I'm in it uh, okay uh, I, I thought I'd have a witness right there uh, but don't trip I brought one of my own uh, my mother was taking my niece Hattie uh, to get her shots God help me now Hattie uh, at the time was only five or six years old uh, she had some shots that she had to get oh God and because my mother uh, is not five uh, she's older than that uh, she's already gotten the shots God help me uh, that Hattie needs to get uh, now my mom understood uh, that she could not deliver my beloved niece Hattie from the shots uh, because the pain that she was going to endure uh, was beneficial for the building up of her immune system uh, what she was going to get on the table God help me was going to help her in life God help me and so what my mama did uh, my mom uh, instead of taking Hattie out of the doctor's office uh, what my mother did was something crazy uh, my mom got up on the table with Hattie uh, and held her hand uh, and began to sing uh, a song of praise uh, 
to Hattie. And while she was singing, the doctor came and gave Hattie the shot. But Hattie did not cry nor flinch because somebody bigger than her was holding her hand while she went through the pain. Come here, let me preach to you for a little while. God told me to tell you that there were some things in your life that are painful but are necessary for your next level. So I can't pull you out of it. I've got to let you go through it. But I'm going to sit on the table with you. I'm going to hold your hand. That's why grandmama said, and he walks with me. And he talks with me. And he tells me that I'm his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. Is there anybody here who's glad that he's walking with you? That when you feel lonely, he's talking with you. That when you feel like you don't belong anywhere, like you're a misfit and a raven and out, outside of the household of God, he tells you that you're his own. Uh, yeah. My life is rough, but God is with me in the rough places, in the places where other folk have left me by myself. I'm I am comforted by the omnipresence of a holy God. When, 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 when other people have left me alone, when other people have forsaken me, I serve a God that does not abandon me in the rough places of life. But I serve a God that will walk with me. Yeah. Let me give you one more and I'm done, I promise. Uh, so then, Paul tells us that I'm hurting, but my hurt it's not going to make me surrender my hope. He says, I'm confused, but thank God, my confusion hasn't driven me crazy. He says, yes, my life might get rough, but I have a God that is committed to walk with me in the rough places. Can I give you the last one? I promise I'm done. The last thing Paul says is that I may be down, but even though I'm down, I'm not done. God help me. Look at what he says. And I promise I'm in my seat. He says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not despairing. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. But then he says, we are struck down. <laughs> but even though I'm down on the ground, even though I've been knocked off my feet, he says, I'm struck down, but I'm not finished. Because I, although I'm on the ground, I'm down, but I'm not destroyed. Lord, have mercy. Paul says this, and I'm done. He says, all of the struggles of ministry have in fact at times knocked me down. Huh. Uh, Paul says, I'm not under some delusion. Okay? The, the, the trials of ministry have knocked me off my feet. But he declares that even though trouble may have succeeded in knocking him down, they have never been able to succeed in taking him out. Somehow, no matter what he faces, he's able to get back up again. 
And can I tell you, beloved, the reason why the devil hates you, God help me, the reason why the devil can't stand you, the reason why that nefarious nemesis called Lucifer cannot stand your guts, it's not because of your praise. It's, it's not because of how much you give. It's, it's not even because your dance is so well put together. The reason why Satan can't stand you is because he keeps knocking you down. But even though God may allow you to be down, God will never allow you to be done. God, help me. Do me a favor now. Tell somebody I keep on coming back. Lord, help me. I, I keep on coming back. I, I keep on coming back. No matter what happens, the devil might knock me down, but no matter what happens, I don't stay there on the ground. I might be down, but I am not done. God, help me. Oh, God, is there anybody here who's not too proud to admit that the circumstances and the cares of life have knocked you off your feet and you were down on the ground, but when the devil looked down and said, are you going to give up? Are you going to say, uncle, are you going to tap out? You said, no, just give me a minute. I'm going to get up in a second. Give me, give, me, give me eight count. If you give me eight count, I'll get up and I'll get back in the fight. Is there anybody here who can say, I might be down, but I'm going to get up again. Matter of fact, some of y'all came into church this morning down. God help me. Some of you walked into the church this morning having suffered a knockdown in the boxing ring of life by the devil, your intergalactic and celestial opponent. He put you on your back, but you said, let me just lay here for a minute. If I lay here for a minute, I'm going to get my bearings and God's going to allow me to get back. And can I tell you, the devil doesn't know how to handle people who get back up. God help me. The devil don't know how to deal with people who can't stay down. The devil loves people who go through hell and they let hell keep them at home. The devil loves people who get into arguments with folk at church and then they got too much pride to come back to worship. The devil loves those kind of weak people. But can I tell you why God loves and the devil hates some of y'all in the building today? It's because even when you get knocked down, you will not be done. Uh, I got to press this a little bit further. So then the devil thinks that he's hurting me. But God is allowing the devil to use the pain of my circumstance to bring me to my knees. Because God knows that the pain that brings me to my knees also puts me in a position of power. God help me. Oh, yeah. Life will knock you to your knees. And while the world thinks that you being on your knees is a position of weakness, God help me, God understands that real power happens, God help me, when you get down on your knees, God help me. And so what God does is he allows the circumstances of life to knock you down, not on your back, Lord have mercy, oh, but on your knees. Is there anybody here who can say life has brought me to my knees? I've, I've dealt with the dissolution of some relationships, some people I loved have walked away from me and it brought me to my knees. I've, I've lost some opportunities in life. I've, I've squandered some good doors that were open to me and it brought me to my knees. But if you ever fall to your knees, you got to understand, God help me, that that is a position of power because it allows you to make contact with God. God help me. Oh God, touch somebody and say the devil didn't know he was helping you. Oh God, he didn't know he was helping you. He didn't know that he was assisting you. That when he knocked you down, he put you in the best position. Lord, have mercy. 
all to fight your battles. Look at your neighbor. God, I feel like preaching now. I feel the Holy Ghost and tell them, this is how I fight my battles. I know how the world fights their battles. Donald Trump might fight his on Twitter. The Senate might fight theirs at the State House. The gang members might fight theirs in the streets. and The Ku Klux Klan might fight theirs by burning crosses. But when I hit my knees, this is how I fight my battles. And the Lord said that if my people who were called by my name would humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Is there anybody here who can hit their knees in the midnight hour and say, this is how I'm fighting? Uh, But not only, not only, not only does prayer take place on my knees, God help me. Uh, But I told you last week about a Greek word called proskuneo, God help me, Uh, which then teaches us, uh, it is where we get the English word prostrate or to lay out. Uh, But prostration first happens. When you get down on your knees, God help me. Oh God, so, so Satan knocks me to my knees and he gives me the ability to pray. God help me. But then he also knocks me to my knees and opens up the privilege of worship. God help me. Oh, so then God is using Satan to push me to a place. God help me. Oh God, where I'm able to fall out to God in worship. Oh God, let me argue the text a little bit. Let me argue this claim for a moment. Now, now why is it important? Why is it important uh, that Satan pushes me then into worship? Why? Why is it important that he pushes me into worship? It is not because of your singing. It is not because of your dancing. It is not because of the musical melody uh, that you make before God in corporate worship. All of those things are wonderful. And let me encourage some of you. You need to stop missing praise and worship and showing up in time for the sermon. Because sermon is something that God gives to you but worship is something you give to him stop being a consumer and showing up just in time for the sermon but when Michael Holloway starts singing at 904 you need to give God something so that God can give something back to you you need to be able to worship him but then why why I'm sorry that was a parenthetical excursion I didn't mean to go there uh, the why why is worship important the reason why worship is important and the reason why we position it before preaching in our worship service is because worship then opens up the portals of heaven to the place where God then is able to get a word to me where God is able to speak to me can God speak without worship of course he can he is omnipotent he is the creator of the universe he is the uncaused cause he is the founder of creation he can do whatever he wants but something happens after worship that opens up your spirit to be able to hear from God so when Satan knocks you to your knees and you respond to God in worship Lord have mercy it opens up God's ability to speak to you that is why then beloved in spiritual warfare when you go through hell Satan tries to keep you from getting into the house of God because Satan does not want you to be postured in a place where God is able to speak to you and give you the word that you need that's why when you are oppressed and depressed and afflicted by the devil he'll try to make all kinds of things happen in your life 
to where you don't want to come to hear what the Lord has to say. You don't want to lift your hands. You don't want to lift your voice. But God says, if you would just worship me, I'll give you a word that will help you to rise above. God, help me. And I don't know who I'm preaching to, but I just got a question. Have you ever been in the, in, in, at the end of your rope in a circumstance that you couldn't see yourself out of? But while you were on your knees in worship, God spoke a word to you that gave you the power to keep on fighting God. Help me. Oh, God, is there anybody here that's ever been down low and you felt God give you the power to still fight on? I don't know who's in the building today, but somebody knows what it's like when you want to give up, when you want to walk away, when you want to say that it's over. But God gives you the power to continue to fight on. And that's my testimony. God says you're going to rise above because even though you're down, I'm going to speak a word to you while you're down that'll give you the power to get back up. I got to quit. I, uh, I remember uh, there were not too many toys uh, that my parents got me because I wasn't really uh, a toy kind of kid. I, I, I like stuff like food and, <laughs> and I, I wanted to be a preacher, so I wanted my dad to buy me a briefcase, and the briefcase was too big, so he bought me a lunchbox and spray-painted it black and got me a little suit and let me carry it around following him. But I remember I told my mother, I said, Mom, uh, my son, for whatever reason, really likes boxing. And uh, I want to get him, I want to get him a toy uh, that's going to help him. I was talking to him yesterday. I said, I want to get him a toy uh, that's going to help him uh, with his boxing and that will keep him from punching on my walls and punching at my TV. And I, I need to get him something. And so my mom said, do you remember that toy we got you? Uh, and I said, mom, uh, no, I don't remember no toy. You got me. I'm, I'm, I'm in my mid-30s. I don't remember no toy. You, you got me when I was a, a little boy. She said, oh, yeah, you remember it because uh, you wanted us to throw it away because it made you mad. And I said, what are you talking about? I don't remember. She said, boy, don't you remember that toy that you used to get so upset with? Uh, and then I remembered my parents did not want to buy me a real punching bag, so they bought me an inflatable toy with a clown face on it. And in my four-year-old mind, I thought that it was my job to knock the clown down. I don't like clowns to this day. Because no matter how hard I hit the clown, it would fall down. And when I turned around to celebrate, I would turn around and find that the clown had bounced back. So I'd hit it again. And then I'd turn around and celebrate. But then when I turned back around, the clown would be sitting back up. So I got wise. I said, I'm going to sit on the clown. And I'm going to punch him and try to keep him down. But when I got off of him, he still came back. And I said, Mom, that thing bothered me because I thought it was my job to knock the clown down. And she said, yeah, but you didn't realize that although it was your job to knock the clown down, the one who created the clown put a weight in the bottom that caused him to bounce back. 
and the harder you hit the clown, the faster it bounced back. The more you punch the clown, the more it bounced back. And is there anybody here who can say, I'll bounce back? Lord, have mercy. Because I'm weighted on the bottom. God, help me. God has put something down on the inside of me that causes me to bounce back in the time of trouble. Is there anybody here who can say, I'm going to bounce back? God, still I rise. God, help me. Is there anybody here? Lord, help me. I didn't want to do all of this today, but is there anybody here? in the building today. Joe, turn that organ up. I feel like preaching. I said, is there anybody here in the building today who can testify and say that there's a weight down on the inside of me that will allow me to bounce back from the troubles of life. The clown had some little ceramic weights in the bottom of it that made him bounce back but can I tell you what you have down in the bottom of you you've got a word from the law that will call you to bounce back Maya Angela said still I rise Paul said I'm pressed but not crushed perplexed but not in despair persecuted but not forsaken I'm cast down but I'm not destroyed is there anybody here who can say I got a word yes sir down on the inside of me that will keep me in the midst of the storm you might not like Paul you might not like Dr. Maya but David said I've been young and now I'm old but never yes sir ain't God alright have I seen the righteous forsaken or is seen begging bread that sweet psalmist of Israel said weeping may endure for a night but joy comes in the morning grab your neighbor's hand and say neighbor I've got a word down on the inside that keeps me in the midst of the storm he'll never leave you or forsake you so still I rise many are the afflictions of the righteous but the Lord yes God delivers him out of them all yes Lord is there anybody here that knows if you call him he'll answer you and show you great and mighty things that you know it's not ain't God alright do I have I said do I have do I have I said do I have a witness in the building that knows he'll give you peace yes Lord in the midst of your song is there anybody here that's glad when life knocks you down God will give you a word that will pick you up out of your low place yeah. Yeah. I feel 
feel like preaching now. Yes, Lord. I wish I had a voice, Mike, so I could say it like I feel it in my heart. But I heard the songwriter say, when peace like a river attending my way, when sorrow like sea billows roll, whatever, 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 to say it is I'll pull it if you help me it is it is it is well yeah with my soul is there anybody in the building today who can say it is well yeah with my soul yeah it is well yeah it is well it is well with my soul grab your neighbor say be not dismayed whatever be tired God will take care of you beneath the 